It is live back again. Welcome to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, of course. My name is Chris. They call me Chaus. Week 15 nearly in the books with exception of Monday Night Football. So many things happening this week. Fantasy football semifinals for majority of us. We had the playoff picture in the NFL rounding out and looking a little bit more clear for a lot of teams it was just a very interesting fantastic week we had a lot of sound contests but when it comes to fantasy football i am a little bit sour today as it was a terrible week on my end it hurts man we were in six leagues this year went to the playoffs in five i was in the semifinals in two and it looks like I will be done barring a miracle on Monday Night Football. But, I mean, hey, sometimes that's how it goes. I mean, I got a lot of championship trophies sitting on my trophy case. But, I mean, this year just didn't pan out. We did our best. We still will be here for the fantasy community who are going to the championship round next week for Week 16. But, nevertheless, let's jump into this week's contest. Let's throw it all the way back to Thursday Night Football where we had the Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Jets. This game, we really knew that this game was going to be a blowout. I mean, the the spread was massive coming into this game. I believe we caught it at about 16.5, favoring the the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So a lot on the line for the Ravens. Uh, they If they won, they were basically uh, crowned AFC North champions. And the thing started out exactly as we had envisioned. I mean, Baltimore jumped out early. It was 14 nothing before you could even blink your eyes. I mean, this is how the game went. I mean, the final score was 42-21. to 21. The Jets scored a few late to make it look a lot more competitive than what it was. But let's just discuss what it really was about, was thinking, is Lamar Jackson the league MVP? And I think this game also just put the staple on it even more. He was phenomenal. Once again, he threw five touchdown passes in this contest. Five. He was unstoppable, but this is what Lamar Jackson does. And and when we came into this contest and we started dissecting everything that could possibly happen, we realized whenever a team of, of this stature that the Ravens are, this is a tune-up. They want to throw the ball as much as they can to improve Lamar Jackson's confidence, but they also ran the ball like they do. Mark Ingram was a machine. Lamar Jackson still carried for 86 yards. But see, the thing is with Lamar, his accuracy wasn't wasn't on point. I really was hoping to see it elevate to that next level in a, in a contest versus a team like the Jets. I mean, their defense was missing Jamal Adams. This is huge for your pass game. Nevertheless, Lamar Jackson still can't take it away. He is playing unbelievable lights-out football. He threw for two, over 200 yards and five touchdowns. He was barely touched. But this offense was just absolutely fantastic on Thursday Night Football. The Jets obviously were were not even in this game. Let's not kid ourselves. But when we look at it, I'm very curious to see how and when and if we're going to see an NFL defense and a defensive coordinator be able to scheme up enough to keep Lamar Jackson in check. I mean, we have had we have seen some games where the system is there, but Baltimore is so creative with their play calls, even when those edges are clogged up, that Lamar Jackson will end up throwing the ball, and then the defense needs to come back, so now those edges are back wide open. It's a very, very difficult team to defend simply because of how well they run the ball, how well Lamar Jackson can do both things. He is not the top polished passer there is. Like, let's not kid ourselves, but he can run the ball. So when he runs the ball, it creates those openings in the pass game that will burn you because it's impossible to defend at this point. I I, I do believe that we could see one team just throw out a scheme in the postseason 
that they haven't seen yet. And I mean, they're not showing it right now during the season. And I mean, it's 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 definitely clear why. I mean, once you get into the postseason, it's do or die. So you're going to throw everything on the table at that point. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm very curious and I believe that it could happen. Um, but nevertheless, the Baltimore Ravens, they destroy the New York Jets on Thursday night football. The score again it was 42 to 21. Lamar Jackson, fantasy football wise, he gave you nearly 50 points in most leagues. So, I mean, you were smiling if you were a Lamar Jackson uh, fantasy owner. And they move on. They win the AFC North crown with that victory. And, and I mean, what else can you say? They are rolling. They're balling. So moving on to Sunday, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. So I didn't really expect a whole lot from this matchup simply because Carolina is done. I mean, their playoff hopes are done. Seattle was the interesting question mark for me. I was curious after they dropped that contest against the Rams a week ago. I really wanted to see what type of uh, effort they were going to put out. And in my eyes, I knew and I felt that Pete Carroll would have his have his troops rolling for this one. So they're traveling to Carolina. Obviously, it's not at home. But they they started out fast and they came out jumping. By halftime, it was 21 to 7. And Chris Carson and the run game was working. We knew that this was going to be a staple of this offense. Now that Rashad Penny is now on injured reserve, you knew you'd had to go back to Chris Carson to set up the ground game, had to do it to set up the pass. We also had that indication that Tyler Lockett was going to be featured. He was. He had eight catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. He was good today. DK Metcalf got in the mix. He also scored a touchdown. And, I mean, Russell Wilson, he wasn't overly productive when it comes to fantasy football productivity, but he was great. He was 20 for 26, 286, and two touchdowns. He was good. I mean, this is exactly what you wanted to see. I mean, as the game wore on, we did see the Seahawks uh, take the pedal off the defense and allow uh, Carolina to make a contest of this late. They scored 14 in the fourth quarter to, to bring it 30 to 24, and they had an opportunity to make this uh, 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 either go to overtime or win it. But, I mean, it just ended as it was. The Seahawks, really, they knew they had this game. They made it hard on, on Carolina to do anything. Kyle Allen was pedestrian. He threw three interceptions today, 41 passes. Christian McCaffrey, again, he has been your fantasy darling the entire season. He goes for 87 yards, finds the end zone twice on the ground. He also catches eight balls for 88 yards. He, again, he is your guy. He's your beast. And uh, if you had him in fantasy football, I'm sure he is carrying you to the championship round. DJ Moore had a good game. I was quite impressed with his day-to-day. He was 8 for 113. But the Seahawks, so... This is what they wanted, 11-3, staying close in that division in the NFC against the San Francisco 49ers. Now things starting to get a little bit tighter, right? So we'll discuss the 49ers game and what transpired there. But this was a must-win for Seattle. They needed to keep keep tight because the division for the uh, NFC West is still very much alive between the two of them. And if if they get a loss, I mean, this is this is how it is. I'm speaking of the 49ers. If they get a loss, the Seattle Seahawks would jump them. So it was a very, very important contest for the Seahawks, and they came through. Didn't like it overall and how they finished, but, I mean, they're good enough with Russell Wilson to do what they need to do. Running the ball is their forte. They will continue to do that as the as the remaining weeks of the season uh, go by and entering the playoffs they will this will be their formula so i do believe they will be a better team at home than they will be on the road in the postseason obviously that's clear the 12th man is undeniably ferociously loud and it's very difficult to go down or up to seattle and and uh and play there so Hawks get the win, stay in very tight with the 49ers, and, and we'll move on to the next contest. Next one on the board is the New England Patriots taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. This, this was another contest that really didn't have much implication for fantasy or for NFL standings. Fantasy football was the key here. We really believe Tom Brady was going to have a good day. Again, we keep on uh, saying and suggesting this. For teams that are struggling on offense or for teams that are are doing very well on offense, these are the types of games that you want to have simply because it's a tune-up, because you can actually start doing things you really want to try. 
different things you wouldn't try in a in a very close game versus a a, a, a tighter opponent. New England again really didn't come to play. Tom Brady and this offense. If you're going into the postseason playing this way offensively, I really think you're extremely beatable. Having home field advantage for New England will be obviously the most important thing because it's very difficult to walk into Foxborough and win, obviously. But there is something really not right about this New England offense uh, altogether. Obviously, the receiving core is very young. Tom Brady is not on the same page with a lot of them. Mohamed Sanu has been attempted to being a, a, a player on this offense, but he just can't get it done. I don't know if timing and chemistry still is an issue, but you think that by now, Sanu has been there since the trade deadline. You think by now they would have had some of it figured out by now, but they don't. The run game again, Sony Michelle, he's he's struggling. I mean, he carried the ball 19 times today, 89 yards. This isn't good enough for, for a running back who should again be your top dog he this is shades of what he was last year and I really I don't know if it's simply because this is all on Sony or if this is the offensive line it's very tough to see I mean I've reviewed many tapes uh, on their games in the past and it's just it, it just isn't there it's very difficult to put your finger on James White was used in the in the first he scored a touchdown uh, and then he was pretty much an afterthought after that. And then Tom Brady, they they managed to win New England based on their defense. Stephon Gilmore was your guy. He was picking off Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was uh, intercepted four times today. New England was all over Dalton as they were trying to throw the ball. There was just no room. Joe Mixon was your one bright spot for Cincinnati for fantasy football. He carried the ball a whopping 25 times, 136 yards, and caught three balls. He was your fantasy guy today. I really didn't think that would transpire the way it did. But, hey, I mean, Mixon, he is he is a superstar in the making. He just needs a better offense around him. So the Patriots win. They go to 11-3, and and they clinch the playoffs as well. They look to be winning this division once again. I mean, barring any unforeseen two-game losing streak, one to the Buffalo Bills next week and then the Miami Dolphins in Week 17, which we can't really see. But, I mean... Stranger things have happened. So as it stands right now, the New England Patriots are looking to be in cruise control and win this division once again. But the Bills are on their heels, and they will play next week, so that'll be interesting as well. Next game on the board, another meaningless showing outside of fantasy football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing the Detroit Lions in Motor City. Again, we have been saying this for how long about uh, Jameis Winston? So he is basically, at this point of the season, auditioning for somewhere to play next year. And if it isn't in Tampa Bay, and it very well could be just based on how he has performed these last few weeks, yes, he is a turnover machine. Again, he threw another interception today. This is this is his staple. He's going to throw you those picks. But his yardage and his touchdown performances against these weaker clubs has been phenomenal. Here we go again, Jameis Winston's numbers. Let me break it down for you. He went 458 yards, four touchdowns, and that one interception today. He was lights out. It was unbelievable. He found Brashard Perryman five times, 113 yards, and three touchdowns to the speedy Perryman, who everyone was wondering if he could actually become that next target with Mike Evans now lost for the season. He balled out, and I mean, Winston can find these guys. It's not that we've ever questioned Jameis's arm. It has been his accuracy and his inability to read defenses, to not turn the ball over, to not put your team in the wrong situation. However, under Bruce Arians, you do like to see them explore every avenue to get offensive productivity, and it's been working these last few weeks. So do I believe that he's played himself out of Tampa Bay? Not necessarily anymore. I think that if you can build a better offensive line, get a better, much better sound running attack in Tampa Bay, I mean, you're going to have a plethora of elite level running backs coming off uh, free, coming in the free agent market next offseason, this offseason coming up. And, and I mean, the draft you can always still find, but I mean, Ronald Jones is obviously not your answer. Peyton Barber is not your answer. This running game has been anemic the entire season, and that's been your biggest problem. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin obviously are studs. You have two of the better receivers in the NFL 
playing on the same team, this offense could be electric and dynamic for many, many years. It's about cleaning it up with Jameis Winston. You don't want to hinder his game to say be be more careful with the ball because that may not uh, promote the uh, uh, the offensive opportunities that he's able to achieve at this point. But I do believe that if you give them a sound running game, the play-action pass will open up and that will ease a lot of the pain on uh, Jameis Winston. So we'll see what his future has in in uh, in hold. But, I mean, Chris Godwin as well. Let's jump back into the game. Chris Godwin had five receptions, 121 yards. He was very good today. He left with an injury. So if you're going into the finals, you may need to be checking that waiver wire uh, for a replacement simply because he may or may not be available. I believe it was a hamstring injury. As for the Lions, I mean, their patch-made running back room is absolutely ridiculous at this point. We had West Hills. Hillis come in, or Hills, sorry, excuse me. He came in to run the ball. I mean, there's really nobody here to run the rock at all in Detroit. This has been the problem since Barry Sanders left. They cannot find a running back. You had David Blau attempting to play again. He threw two more interceptions. He looked awful today as well. Danny, Danny Amendola was your only bright spot. He caught eight catches for 102 yards. And, I mean, that's basically it. The score really isn't indicative of what it could have been i mean the lions they tried to come back they made a game of it in the in the fourth and then it was just lights out after that tampa bay had an interception return for a touchdown basically sealed the deal and then Jameis winston for good measure hit perryman deep again for another touchdown so tampa bay continues to roll they have been playing very well these last few weeks they are seven and seven on the season bruce arians seems to be doing exactly what he wants to do he wants to evaluate what he has on this club for next season to see if he can actually turn Jameis winston into a prototypical elite level quarterback who will not turn the ball over so I'm at this point, I was a big naysayer on him, but I mean, the way that he is putting up uh, points on the scoreboard, you can't hate it whatsoever. And I will retract my previous statement saying he will be out in Tampa Bay next season. I think that he has actually bought himself uh, some time and for the ownership and general management to uh, uh, ponder his situation. So moving right along, the next contest that actually had playoff viability, the Green Bay Packers hosting the Chicago Bears. This game was interesting only because I I didn't believe that Chicago would have anything um, to muster enough to walk into Green Bay and steal the game. Green Bay has been solid. Let's face it, they are not respected, and I'm one of them as well. I'm not a naysayer on Green Bay per se, but I am more about wanting to see more. And and maybe that's just me being selfish, and maybe that's me uh, uh, sticking too much to the past and how this team used to run right through Aaron Rodgers and having those decisive wins through the air. This team really, truly is a balanced squad. It is predicated through the ground game to set up the pass. Now, Aaron Jones was your guy once again. Aaron Jones has been an absolute beast for this Green Bay Packers club today. He found the end zone two more times. Even though his yards per carry was only 3.9, he only had 51 yards. This is what sets up the pass game for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't really remember a time where we have seen this Packers offense be this balanced. It really hasn't. I mean, Devontae Adams finally got back in the mix today. He was 7 for 103 for 1 touchdown. But again, when you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers, he wasn't overly spectacular once again. His completion percentage is, is barely hitting 50%. He only throws the one touchdown pass in 200 yards again. So this is the thing I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about when I talk about the not necessarily respecting what Green Bay can be going into the postseason. It, it it's not that I'm doubting Aaron Rodgers because I don't think he's lost a step. I just, I really don't believe that this is the Matt LaFleur system that he wants Aaron Rodgers to do all of these things. I think it is playing by the numbers, by LaFleur's system, and will get you those wins. And at this point at 11-3, and three, how can you argue it? You can't. Aaron Rodgers has to abide to the system and how it is working. So 11 wins is a big deal. As for the Bears, I mean, when we discuss what was on the line, they needed to win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive. Once again, the running game with David Montgomery just is not there. I'm questioning whether or not this will be 
one of the bigger busts to come out of the NFL draft at the position simply because he is just not getting it done. Granted, this offensive line is dreadful. I I really don't see enough holes for Montgomery to run through. I think if they upgrade the offensive line, I think uh, Montgomery will have a much better second season. Trubisky, once again, 53 passes. You were down in this contest. I understand. I get it. It was literally 7-3 to three at halftime. You were still in this game. You needed to attempt any form of running the football that could help this club. I mean, even run it with Mitchell Trubisky a little bit more. He only ran four times for 28, 29 yards. This entire season, we haven't seen Trubisky run the ball like he should be. I understand you don't want to get him hurt. He has been dealing with injuries because he has been uh, scrambling and taking those large shots. But this offense really, truly isn't there. I mean, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, they are ballers. You have two very sound receivers on this club. Trubisky did not have a bad day again. He was 334 yards today, one touchdown, but he did throw those two interceptions, which basically cost them the game. They were in this late. They almost made an attempt. The final score was 21 to 13. The Anthony Miller touchdown late in the fourth quarter, really had this game on edge for a lot of Packer fans and a lot of Chicago fans at that point. But you could tell, I mean, Green Bay was going to lock this up. This wasn't going to be an upset whatsoever, but it was a decent game overall. I, for, for what it is, I mean, Chicago left it all out on the field. But again, with Green Bay, I, I think that if they don't clean up some of their inadequacies when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, and if they are not going to be do it's a very tough thing because I really don't want to say if they're not going to be that passing team because I still believe they can be. I just think that they don't have that viable secondary option on this on this uh, offense that they really want that Aaron Rodgers truly trusts. Geronimo Allison and uh, Valdez Scantling have been afterthoughts. I mean, they have not shown up this season to be what we all thought that they were going to be. So Maybe it's maybe it's trust in the receiving core that is is giving me pause, but nevertheless the Green Bay Packers are eleven and three. They are moving on. They have eliminated the Chicago Bears from playoff contention, and we'll move right along. The Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs are the next contest on our board. It was a miserable snowy day in Kansas City, and I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, their their uh, news reports came out before the contest that Patrick Mahomes obviously dealing with that injured hand, that the team was very concerned that in these conditions he may aggravate the injury a little bit more, which would obviously be devastating in the playoffs for the playoff run that they attempt to go on. But I really thought with this contest, I thought that Denver would have come out a little bit stronger than what they did. This was basically a no contest right from jump. I mean, Patrick Mahomes set the tone very early. He threw a uh, Tyreek Hill 41-yard touchdown. And it was much of a back-and-forth battle. I mean, you didn't get another touchdown until the third quarter where Tyreek Hill again found the end zone from Patrick Mahomes. He was moving the ball. Uh, Mahomes was down, up and down the field with high regularity. I mean, the, the Denver defense wasn't really horrible, uh, but they were getting no help from their offense whatsoever. Drew Locke, was, uh, the, he looked like a rookie today. I mean, he was 18 of 40, 208 yards in an interception. He was sacked two times. But he just didn't look comfortable today whatsoever. He was getting blitzed. He hasn't seen a defense uh, as of yet throw so many different looks and pressure at him. And you could tell it was wearing on him. He couldn't understand where it was coming from. He didn't. He couldn't find his hot reads. And again, then you add the weather concept to this. I mean, it was snowing like crazy. And 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 it has a recipe for a rookie to play like a rookie. And that's what we, we saw today. Patrick Mahomes, he was, again, like I said, 340 yards, two touchdowns. He did have that one interception. But Travis Kelsey was your guy. This was the safety net. 11 catches, 142 yards outside of Tyreek Hill finding the end zone twice on his five receptions. This was an easy day, per se, for the Chiefs, only because they just did enough what they needed to do to win and get out of there. I mean, weather was the issue. We said it already. But, I mean, it was snowing like a madman. And now the Chiefs are 10-4. and four. They're first in the AFC uh, West, and, and they're going to – keep climbing they're they're gonna they're gonna be a very difficult squad to beat I still have concern in the playoffs when it comes to this defense I really 
think that if you're going to live by the blitz, you will die by the blitz. And and this is their defense. This is what they do. Uh, they f- they force the pressure. If you're playing man, you're playing zone straight up. They can pick you apart. Your your defense is just not built that way. You're built to pressure. You're built to make the quarterback uh, throw faster, and you're opportunistic to try to get those turnovers. Hopefully, giving Patrick Mahomes enough opportunity to to throw his uh, touchdowns and and make the score lopsided. But Kansas City is still going to be a very very tough show uh, come the postseason. But I mean these these last games, it's just going to be about for playoff seating while Denver continues to evaluate their young rookie passer. Uh, in hopes for next season that he will be the starter, which he should be. So moving right along to the next contest that also had no bearing on the standings, which is going to happen this late in the season. But nevertheless, the Miami Dolphins take travel to New York to face the New York Giants. Eli Manning gets another start. He will likely finish out the season uh, from what we hear, I don't believe uh, Daniel Jones. It's possible Daniel Jones gets back in the mix, but I mean, at this point, you've seen what Daniel Jones can do. Why risk any type of injury? Let your uh, possible future Hall of Famer, Eli Manning, Super Bowl winner, just finish out his last season in New York with some pride. He was okay today. He was 20 for 28, 283, two touchdowns, but he did throw three interceptions. I mean, that's Eli Manning. We We know what he is. We know what he does. This is why he was relegated to the bench. But, I mean, the nice thing was we got to see Saquon Barkley back in the mix. This was his best game in a number of weeks. And this is something that I really hope that Daniel Jones can understand and watch. When Eli Manning is the quarterback of this team... Barkley is running the ball extremely well. When Daniel Jones is in, it's like it's a complete different running offense. Barkley goes 24 carries for 112 and finds the end zone twice today. This is what we know Barkley to be. Barkley also has four catches for 31 yards. This is Saquon. This is what we expect from him on a weekly basis in this offense. It's going to be very interesting as the Giants move forward to see what they will have and what they will keep. I mean, Sterling Shepard is still going to be your guy. He's still young enough, signed a long-term deal, Golden Tate as well. But Darius Slayton has come along, you know what I mean? So, again, this contest, he really took a back seat. Slayton did. He, he did find the end zone, but he only saw two catches today. So I'm very curious to understand what the Giants are actually evaluating with some of the veteran wide receivers they do have. They are 3-11, and but this is the Eli Manning ending, and maybe this was his last contest, and he'll maybe get his last victory as he, he took a victory lap on his way out. As for the Miami Dolphins, I mean, what is the storyline for Miami heading into next season? This is what it is. Again, preparation for next season, evaluation. Devontae Parker. So I want to take some time to discuss Devontae Parker because I have been – one of his greatest critics only because he has never materialized into what he was supposed to be when he was drafted. The, the, the massive amount of expectation on this man to produce, and outside of a handful of contests, he never really has materialized into that elite-level player. This season, however, uh, Parker has done an amazing job with this club. Being... With Ryan Fitzpatrick only, without having any real high-end elite-level talent to support, to pull coverage from his side. I mean, when they traded uh, Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills, you knew it was done, it was over, and there was less uh, uh, support for Parker to actually make things happen. But he has turned it up even more, being basically the only guy here. And, and again today, Devontae Parker, he goes four for 72 and finds the end zone twice from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I really hope that we are not being fooled once again. I'm going to have to see it on a more consistent basis. I think next season going into the drafts, you're going to see Parker overdrafted simply because of his end statistics. He got rewarded. Uh, There was a contract extension. I believe he got $41 million over four years, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to double-check that to be sure. But, I mean, it's in that realm. And I'm... Did he really dupe the the Miami Dolphins into playing one season of good football on a contract year? I mean, it's to be seen. 
Um, there will still always be fear for players like that because we have put faith in him early on and then we just we couldn't do it anymore. So it's a really nice story to see. I will always back any player who who lifts their level of play and definitely Parker has done that. So moving right along, that contest really had nothing left on the board to discuss. So moving right along, we'll talk about the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. This contest was massive. This had everything to do with AFC South uh, division winning potential. I was keen on watching this one. As you know, you've been listening to the show Ryan Tannehill, I have been preaching him since the offseason. I won't go into it again. You know how I feel about Ryan Tannehill. Again, I was preaching the start of Ryan this week simply because they were at home. They have been rolling. They've been playing extremely well. The one thing I did not account for was believing that Derrick Henry wasn't as hurt as he was. Clearly in this contest, you could see Derrick Henry didn't practice all week. He still carried the ball 21 times, but he just didn't have that burst, that overall punch that he would normally have. Obviously playing with that tender hamstring, I believe he's is his injury, but he still ran for 86 yards, did not find the end zone. And an unlucky play uh, for the Titans Early on was when a ball was tipped as the Titans were driving. Tannehill hit the crosser. The uh, ball got tipped, and uh, Merciless picked the ball off, and he took it nearly to the house. That was a massive, massive game changer because Houston uh, capitalized and turned that into points. And, And it really changed the landscape and the momentum of how this game was operating. I mean, Houston was only up by seven points. That made it a 14 point score. Going into halftime, 14 nothing, and, and, and looking deflated, Tennessee really came out in that second half and, and dictated terms. They got the game back in business and tied it up at 14. It was uh, Tannehill ran one in, and then A.J. Brown. He is turning into one of my favorite receivers in this league. A.J. Brown, I can't say enough about him. He is legit. He is a number one wide receiver and he is only going to get better as the weeks go on he's going to have a full off season more than likely with Tannehill they're probably going to do a contract extension there and let Mariota walk but this offense can be something special we'll see what it what it's going to look like next season but AJ Brown is turning into one of my favorite favorite players on this team and in this league and it comes from the Houston Texans side I mean This game was back and forth. This game was a beauty the entire time. Carlos Hyde got him back in the lead. Field goal made the lead even more. And, I mean, Tennessee attempted late. Uh, They got a Deion Lewis touchdown and tried the onside kick and just couldn't recover, and that was basically your ball game. Houston wins 24-21. They take a full game lead on the Titans in this division. And, I mean, this was massive. I mean, barring any sidesteps from either of these teams dropping another contest uh, in the remaining two weeks, you could have your division winner here with the Houston Texans. So it was, it was, a, it was a good game, very sound. Defense wasn't great. It was up and down for both clubs, but the offense really showed me something. When it comes to Deshaun Watson, I really have my questions to what's going on with him right now. He seems very up and down. Like he could have one game where he is absolute wrecking ball. And then in this contest, he's such he's so up and down. He throws two more interceptions today. He he also lost a fumble but got it back. I just I didn't like his overall uh appearance and his the way he carried himself. It almost looked like he wasn't uh he wasn't fully involved in the game, even though I know what type of player he is, he definitely would have been. I just didn't like his overall play these last couple weeks. Really want to see him elevate his game to the next level uh, to finish this season so you go in the playoffs strong. But, I mean, this game was huge. I really enjoyed it. It was a good contest. It was a good battle, and Houston comes out on top. It was great. So moving right along, next contest on the board, we have the Eagles taking travel to Washington to face the Redskins. So here we go again. The Eagles have... Their playoff lives on the ropes, and they basically didn't show up for a majority of it. I mean, they were sluggish. They they really didn't look like they were encouraged and needed to win this game to stay alive. I was really disappointed with how they were playing. Carson Wentz was not fantastic early on. He finished his day strong. He goes for 266 and three touchdowns. 
Miles Sanders was your X factor today. I really wondered if it was going to be Boston Scott again, but I think that kind of got into the game plan uh, as other teams would have thought to game plan against Boston Scott. But Miles Sanders, I've been waiting for this all season long. He was one of my favorites coming out of the draft, and he goes off today, 19 carries. He was trusted to carry that ball from the backfield. He goes 19 carries, 122 yards, and he finds the end zone. He was also targeted six times in the pass game, caught six balls, and found the end zone in the pass game again. This was by far his best day as a professional, and and I believe he is a true uh, he can be, I want to say, a true number one back in this league. If he ups his blocking ability, he's a double threat. I mean, this is what you want. You want a guy that can run the ball extremely well and a guy that can can catch the ball out of the backfield. That way, teams never know uh, what you're doing offensively. If, if it's third down, you could still run the ball. This, this is what you want. And then you could have your change-up guy come in uh, to spell. But, I mean... I, I like Miles Sanders a lot. I think this game was a great showing for him. Shows a lot of encouragement moving forward. But when it comes to the Washington Redskins, so this is an, another team that's about developing and, and, and seeing what they have for next season. Dwayne Haskins, he has been improving over the course of the last few weeks. I have liked what I've seen. It's been steady progression. You don't want to see him regress. That's the biggest problem. It has been steady the uptick has been moving up, and I like it. I think it's very important, and this is exactly what the Redskins wanted to see. When it comes to Terry McLaurin, he is your guy. This He was my guy coming out of the draft. You know the work is there. I've been saying it on the podcast. Terry McLaurin was my guy coming out of this draft. Him and Miles Sanders were probably two of the guys I had pegged at the top that I really would have liked to have seen on my own team uh, selfishly, but this these guys are fantastic. Terry has a wonderful day today. He goes five catches, 130 yards, and one touchdown, long for 75 yards. He he's a game breaker. And they also have this kid, Steven Sims Jr. I really like his game. If you could really keep this team young, and that's what they're doing. They're building all together at the same time. I think that this club maybe with additional pieces coming from free agency in the draft, could actually become something decent in this weaker NFC East. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This NFC East is a gong show. Any team could have won this thing if they could have scraped together some wins. I mean, 9-7 and seven will more than likely get you the win, but it could even be 1-8-8. Eight and eight. So if you're talking 8 wins to win your division... It's very much doable with a Washington Redskins team who could add some defensive help, offensive line help, and get Dwayne Haskins uh, moving. So I like the pieces that they do have. I want to see a lot more, obviously. They're not even close to being uh, anything of a polished product by far, but it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to watch a team progress and build. I, it's one of my favorite things to see. So let's move right along. Once again, another contest on the board with only fantasy football implications, the Cleveland Browns and the Arizona Cardinals. While Cleveland did have very little playoff uh, hope remaining, I really thought I would have seen them come out to play today. Baker Mayfield, to me, has been an absolute disappointment this season. What else can you say about a guy who has weapons galore in Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, name him off, and you cannot do anything consistently offensively. I really feel they gave up today. Uh, Odell Beckham in general, he did not look interested to be playing whatsoever. Yes, he did catch eight balls for 66, but it looked like a struggle for him. He really desperately wants this season to end I do not blame him one bit he was traded he's got a sour taste in his mouth he wants to go somewhere where they can compete where the city is live I think that is Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think Cleveland's the spot for him I do believe he is a competitor I do like Odell Beckham uh, for for the most part I can't really say many negative things about the man but in this offense, when you're discussing how many playmakers you do have and you're just letting it down week after week, I really have a hard time uh, uh, trusting Baker Mayfield in, in how a lot of people were, were believing he was going to be this next great talent at the quarterback position. 
But moving to the other side, when we start discussing Kyler Murray, this was the battle of the Oklahoma Sooners. So both Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray are from that uh, college facing each other for bragging rights on who would be the better quarterback. And it was it was funny to watch uh, pregame. Uh, they were taking a couple jabs at each other. But you know that I have been a great supporter of Kyler Murray, well above and beyond of what Baker Mayfield is. In my opinion at this point, I think Kyler Murray is the better player. He is the better athlete. He can make the throws. Do I believe Baker can't make the throws? No, Baker can definitely make the plays. I just think that there's just something missing in his game right now, and I believe it has everything to do with confidence. With Kyler Murray, this is a club that is just learning. So I am giving him a break 110%, and he has done a marvelous job. He was 219 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Nothing to, to you know scream about, but he was good. And I mean, but when you have running like Kenyon Drake from the backfield, Kenyon Drake has just supplanted David Johnson in this backfield. Drake was 22, 137, and four rushing touchdowns. Count them four if you had him in your fantasy lineup. He won you the game himself. He was a beast today. David Johnson, an afterthought, three carries, six yards. So this is a good, interesting topic that we will probably discuss at nauseum in the offseason is what is the future of David Johnson in Arizona now that they have Drake. I think, I don't know, it's a tough one to say at this point. Excuse me, everything is on the table. Everything is up for evaluation, obviously. You really you paid David Johnson to be your starting running back and he just looks like he's done. I don't it's the it's one of the biggest falls from grace I have ever seen in my time covering the NFL. I have never seen a player raise from that height to drop to this floor so fast. It's actually quite incredible. But nevertheless, the Cardinals, they show out, they get the win. All behind Kenyon Drake. He was the the guiding factor here. And, I mean, what can you say about the Cardinals? You just want to see them finish strong if you're a Cards fan. As for the Browns, another disappointing season. I believe uh, the stats showed it's 19 years or 17 years, I believe, for the Browns not making the postseason. So, I mean, I feel you. I'm, I'm a Bills fan. We took a long time to get off our schneid. So, I mean, Cleveland, at least you have the talent. It could It could come to fruition next season. But we'll see what happens. So, again, next one on the board, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Oakland Raiders. Won't spend a whole heck of a lot of time on this one. We knew what this one was going to be, just a a dogfight between two teams who really don't have anything to play for outside of pride and jobs next season. This game was an absolute embarrassment in the first half. Oakland was up quick, 16 to nothing, heading into halftime. You thought Oakland was just going to keep rolling. Something changed in that second half for uh, Jacksonville. They could never get the ground game going, and this has been a problem for Leonard Fournette these last few weeks. He was one of my running backs. He cost me heavy today, probably cost you as well. Gardner Minshew, he he looks okay. I mean, I wish they never had benched him for Nick Foles. He lost some confidence in his ability, and it's clear he's not the same guy he was, this magic mustache Minshew that everyone was pegging to be this next great quarterback. Doug Marone really did him a disservice by throwing him back to the bench. He did have a decent day, however, today. He was 201 yards, two touchdown passes. They came back late to win this contest. Oakland should be ashamed of themselves. But at this point, I mean, everyone's playing for draft picks, uh, placement, and Oakland definitely is as well, especially with moving to Vegas. They're going to want as much draft capital as possible, high-end, elite-level talent, fill those seats in Vegas. I think that's what Oakland's about. I think you really just want to prove to the fans in Oakland, hey, we're trying, we're attempting, and if we lose, we lose. I mean, this is just how it is. But, I mean, when it comes to Jacksonville, they go to 5-9. and nine. Oakland drops to 6-8. Uh, and eight. There was nothing really on the line here other than just Jacksonville winning this game. I think Doug Marone will be done as the head coach once the season is over. He should be, in my opinion. This team had far too much talent uh, on both sides of the ball that now is gone. You lost a lot of players with ability. You traded them away, and and you're worse uh, worse off for it. So I don't like what I see for the future of Jacksonville at this point. Leonard Fournette is going to be a very big conversation come the offseason. Will they pick up his fifth-year uh, option? I really wonder, but 
this game didn't really have much until the to the late stages where the Jags uh, closed it out with I believe it was Conley who uh, scored. Yeah, Conley scored the last two touchdowns to to make this game uh, a Jacksonville victory. So next game on the board, which was very interesting for us, the Minnesota Vikings uh, traveling to L.A. to face the Chargers. This game was uh, came in, I believe, at minus two and a half favoring Minnesota. I thought the spread was a little bit light. I was uh, surprised that Vegas only gave it as a two and a half odd. LA is done. I mean, Phillip Rivers and company, yes, they can compete. Yes, they can play ball. But this is the Minnesota Vikings, and I think this is one team that doesn't get enough respect. I have been uh, a big supporters of Minnesota basically for the entire season. I really believed in Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. I was preaching them come the offseason, believing that they would take this team to the next level this season, and they truly have. I mean, in this contest, it was it was a lot about defense for Minnesota. They made it very difficult on Phillip Rivers today. He threw three interceptions, even though he threw uh, over 300 yards and a touchdown. Those three interceptions definitely cost the Chargers in this game, and Minnesota made them pay. They took advantage. The biggest issue I have right now is what is the plan for Dalvin Cook? His clavicle, he exited early again, a shoulder problem, clavicle problem, whatever it is. I think it is a bigger problem than what they're suggesting. This wasn't necessarily rest, but then you saw Dalvin Cook on the sidelines smiling with the with his teammates, smiling with his coaches. So it made me wonder if it was rest and it wasn't as uh, 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 as big of a problem as they were suggesting. So he is one to watch. I mean, I think even though nothing is locked up yet in the NFC North, this is why you're going to continue to play Cook week in, week out if you have to. Um, I definitely think if they could win this division or cl- uh, clinch a playoff spot, Dalvin would obviously be resting for the playoffs already. But this Minnesota team, they got Adam Thielen back today. He really didn't do much outside of just getting his feet wet again on the field. Diggs had a decent day. But they did it with this cat, Matt Boone, or Mike Boone, excuse me. He he was he filled in admirably for Dalvin Cook, and he found the end zone twice today. So you can do it in many, many different ways with this Minnesota club. They they cooked the Chargers today 39-10. to 10. It was a no contest. I really didn't think it was going to be a contest. The defense had a fumble return uh, in that second quarter. It changed a lot of this game for what the Chargers could do. Really, I mean, L.A. is basically done. There's nothing left to see here. Um, you're going to have a lot of change overcome the offseason. Melvin Gordon couldn't get going. Austin Eckler really couldn't get it done today either after his great showing last week. And a huge, easy win. It just felt easy for, for Minnesota. And and like I said, I still have a lot of faith in what Kirk Cousins and this team could do uh, come the postseason. So a good, easy win for them. Next game on the board, we had the L.A. Rams and the Dallas Cowboys. I was extremely intrigued with this contest simply because I am not a believer in the Dallas Cowboys at this point. Offensively, they went back to basics today. They changed my mind. But see, this is the problem with the Cowboys. They will not stay the course with this game plan. It was run heavy today on this L.A. Rams team. They had no care in the world that Aaron Donald and company were on that offensive line. They said, the heck with you. We're going to go at you in the trenches, and we're going to run the ball. They ran the ball down the Rams' throat. This is the game plan. This is what you are, Dallas Cowboys. How How many more times do we have to say this? How can you not see it? Today is the day it proves it. You put up a whopping 41 points, 44 points today. This is what you need to do. I get it. The Rams, they are struggling. They are not the same team. But the Rams' defense is still very stout. They're very good. They have ballers on that defense. But still, look at your numbers today on the ground. Zeke Elliott, 24 carries, 117 yards, 4.9 per carry. He finds the end zone twice on the ground. Tony Pollard in relief of Zeke Elliott. He goes 12 carries. 131 yards, and he also finds the end zone on the ground. This is what you need to do. Dak Prescott does not need to be your runner. 
You have two running backs. You have a thoroughbred in Zeke Elliott. This offense needs to go through Zeke week in, week out. Simple as that. He needs to have his 20-plus carries every single week. You need to be down by like 30 points for me to be convinced that you need to stop running the ball with Zeke Elliott. This is your offense. And now with Tony Pollard, you can see in this game, this is what I had thought and envisioned this offense was going to be the entire season. Then you set up the play-action pass. Then you get Dak Prescott throwing to his receivers, Cooper and company, and they're going to cook you all over the field. The interesting aspect of this game was is that Cooper, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup were basically non-factors. So what does that tell you about this offense? Still being able to put up that many points, 44 points today, you were able to put up offensively, and you didn't involve your two best receivers. Think about that, Dallas Cowboy fans. Think about that, Dallas Cowboy coaches. This team needs to be operating the way that we're suggesting. However, I get it. I'm not on the sidelines, but this is working. This is your formula. If you want to go anywhere in the playoffs, this team has the talent to go somewhere, but you need to stick to a formula that's going to work. As for the LA Rams, what else can you say? Their season is basically done. The books are going to be closed right away. Um, I'm very disappointed because I really thought that uh, the Rams would have been able to do something special today. They just basically were shut down. Robert Woods was a non-factor. Cooper Cup was basically a non-factor outside of his late touchdown catch. Again, Brandon Cooks has been a non-factor for majority of the season. And you had Jared Goff throwing 51 times. They were down. They had to throw. Todd Gurley is is shades of himself again. I mean, yes, he finds the end zone, but it's, it's not Todd Gurley that we all uh, remember from the past. So outside of a miracle, I don't see the Rams even winning the next two contests making the playoffs. I I just I just can't see it happening. I think the Rams are going to going to go to the off season still licking their wounds. This will be considered a a massive Super Bowl hangover and it's 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 quite disappointing for a young team that looked so good and had so much promise, but but I mean nevertheless the Cowboys they're closer now. They have the division lead. Once again, they have a massive contest against the Eagles next week. And I mean, it's going to it's going to tell the tale of who will most likely win this division. So it'll be a very good showing next week uh, in uh, Dallas versus the Eagles. Next contest on the board was the Atlanta Falcons taking travel to San Francisco to face the 49ers. Really, did we expect this to be anything of a showing after what the the 49ers were able to achieve against the New Orleans Saints? I really believed uh, uh, San Francisco was going to be a well-oiled machine by now. They were going to put all these things together. This is Kyle Shanahan's former club. They would they would know and want to dispose of the Falcons in in a manner that was uh, conducive to high productivity, and it just didn't happen. I mean, this was a very strange contest for me. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons have been turning up their defense at certain points late in the season, and I really didn't expect it to happen today. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo really struggled to find much room. I mean, he was sacked only once today. The ground game wasn't fantastic for the Niners, and and that kind of shows the limitations. So if you're you're a, a playoff team looking at the 49ers, this is almost a blueprint on how to stop them. I mean, George Kittle, he was the guy. He had 13 receptions, a massive 134 yards, but the ground game was shut down. So if you shut down the 49ers' ground attack and you allow George Kittle to chunk you all the way up and down the field, even giving up a couple touchdowns, you were able to win this game scoring points on this defense without Richard Sherman. I found that to be extremely extremely interesting julio jones today was targeted like a madman i believe he had 20 targets today just violent madman it was all about julio today obviously so here was my problem i i really believe san francisco dropped the ball on this and you had no calvin ridley you you basically have Russell Gage and Austin Hooper to contend with if you're double-teaming Julio Jones for the entire game. 
that didn't really happen either. I was very confused with with the the game plan defensively the 49ers took. They allowed Julio to gash them. Again, 13 catches, 134 yards, two touchdowns. That's a massive day for Julio Jones. Massive. We haven't seen Julio score in how many weeks? I believe it was eight weeks. We haven't seen Julio find the end zone. He goes twice today against one of the best defenses in the NFL. What are you doing, San Francisco? What are you doing? I really didn't like what I saw defensively whatsoever, and you really had a letdown today. Atlanta pulls the massive upset in San Francisco, 29-22. to They got that late uh, uh, fumble recovery on that uh, pitch uh, as, for, as the 49ers were trying to return that kickoff. So, I mean, the score looks a lot uh, uh, worse than it, it actually was. San Francisco should have lost, uh, obviously, by six less, but... Nevertheless, I mean, this 49ers team, it's a sidestep. Kyle Shanahan will have this club uh, back to the full graces of what they can be. But, I mean, here, like I said, this is this is partially a blueprint on what you can do to stop this team from gashing you. Stop that ground game. If that ground game is, is not operating to optimal levels, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to struggle, and this is what happened today. So Niners fall, huge game. Huge game as as now the Seattle Seahawks overtake them, I believe, in the standings for that first overall uh, uh, first round bye. And yes, they do. They had the first round bye. San Francisco drops all the way to number five. So it's a massive, massive day. And I believe these two teams, the Seahawks and the 49ers, still face each other in week 17, which is going to be a dandy. I cannot wait for that contest. So. Moving right along to the Sunday nighter, the Buffalo Bills taking travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Bills Mafia, what's up, y'all? I am riding with you. You all know I'm a supporter of Buffalo. I am a supporter of the Bills. This was a monster day for all of Bills Mafia, all the Bills Nation. Traveling to Pittsburgh to win this contest, to gain your 10th win of the season. That's 10 wins. You have not seen 10 wins since the 90s, the late 90s. This is a monster game for Buffalo. And if they cash in, they are postseason bound. This game, so Pittsburgh is a very difficult play simply because they're built right now without Ben Roethlisberger. A lot like the Buffalo Bills, ex- with one exception that I believe, obviously, Josh Allen is is a much better quarterback than, than Davlin Hodges. Um, but the both defenses really are unbelievably stout units. They, are, they, they attack the ball, Pittsburgh even more so than Buffalo. Pittsburgh just attacks the ball every opportunity they can. They try to force the fumbles. Buffalo is is more opportunistic when it comes to the interceptions. They had four today. They were lights out. But when you saw, for most for the most part, when you came into the into the fourth quarter, I really didn't like how the Buffalo Bills play calling was being called whatsoever. They were clearly playing this game not to lose instead of winning. Go and get this win, man. You guys have played extremely well the entire season. You've been playing with the elite-level teams, and you've been staying with them. Go and get this win. Show them that you can get this win. And when it came to the fourth quarter, we saw Josh Allen. He he unleashed quite a few deep shots, and it, it worked. I mean, you had enough. John Brown was your target, 7 for 99. Outside of that, Everyone else was a, a non-factor. Devin Singletary, he ran the ball extremely well today. The issue was ball security. He dropped the ball twice, lost one. Very costly, gave uh, Pittsburgh some points. But when it came to the Bills' defense, when it came time to make plays, they did it. They forced the issue. Pressure was getting to Hodges. I saw how many times uh, Jerry Hughes off that edge forcing Hodges to step up in the pocket and then Hodges would get sacked. How many times Hodges had to roll out and was basically slippery and got away from the pressure that was in his face. It was a very, very sound day for the Buffalo Bills. I w- defensively, I would have wanted, wanted to have seen a lot more from this offense, but I mean, hey, a win's a win. You're not going to complain. The return of uh, James Conner did lift uh Pittsburgh quite a bit in this contest he looked good today he found the end zone he looks like he's over his shoulder issue but outside of that I mean turnovers for the Steelers I mean you had that costly fumble by Deontay Johnson as well 
after it was a wildcat formation. That changed the whole game. You had the Steelers in the red zone, and they were poised to take a lead, and and you turn the ball over? I mean, those things just simply can't be done. I mean, Pittsburgh's offense just will not have enough to take them anywhere in the postseason. This defense has made it viable for them to be in the conversation, and their schedule is fairly weak. I mean, Week 17, they got the Ravens, but, I mean, at that point, Baltimore could be sitting all their starters, so Pittsburgh could just climb in on on a mercy win uh, against backup. So outside of that, Buffalo Bills, they are in the playoffs. The division lead, the division crown, stealing that from the Patriots is still alive. Uh, they're going to have to put in some work. They're going to have to beat the Patriots next week on Saturday and then travel, I believe, to New York uh, to face uh, the Jets. I, or I'm not sure if that's at home or in New York. Um, but they're going to have to win those two games. They're going to have to beat the Patriots, and I believe the Patriots are going to have to also lose to the Dolphins because they will hold the tie break. So I don't know exactly how that. I have to really look into the matchups and see how that's going to fit in. But the Bills, they could still pull this division out with some luck, so we'll see. So outside of that, Monday Night Football, the contest between the Indianapolis Colts and the New Orleans Saints, this game, again, really doesn't have any bearing on, on AFC uh, playoff uh, hopes for the Colts. They are basically done. Uh, their record is 6-7. and seven. They need a miracle to hit the postseason. As for the Saints, they're going to want to come out and show better uh, only because they're, the anger and frustration of what had happened last week with, uh, versus the 49ers. They are staying at home. They are playing at home. So it's going to be a nice uh, welcome sight to be playing in front of the hometown crowd. I really don't see this to be anything much of a contest, really. I mean, the Colts should give it their best effort with Jacoby Brissett and company. They'll just be outmatched and outclassed. The The spread, I believe, is at 9.5 points. I, I didn't take the Saints to cover in this contest only because I believe the Colts are good enough to at least uh, make garbage time points happen and kill the spread late if it does come down to that. The Saints should definitely win this contest, in our opinion. I don't see the Colts having enough uh, talent to beat this club. The Saints I'm speaking of at this point. But, I mean, it should be an okay contest for all those uh, still hanging on by a thread in fantasy football. This will be the last opportunity you'll get for the semifinals to get to that championship round. And, I mean, it's it's been a good week, uh, week 15. Like I said, I'm a little bit sour, still moving on, but I'm going to be here for all of uh, the fantasy players who are going to the finals. Waiver Wire, obviously, on Tuesdays. Start Sidham on Saturdays. So, so on that note, thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and wherever you get your shows. So again, thanks for tuning in. We always appreciate you. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.